Welcome to Herbal Explorations, a podcast hosted by Wilson Lau of New Herbs. Each week, we speak to leading experts about what's happening in the herbal industry. Hi, Anne. Welcome to the show and uh, really um, enjoying your new book, The Business of Botanicals and how you break down the inner workings of the herbs in the botanical industry, which isn't an easy task at, at all. Um, so that's why we definitely want to have a chat with you. If you would like to make a quick introduction um, to the audience of who you are and what you do, that'd be great. Love what you're doing with the Sustainable Herb Program as well. Great, thank you. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm the director of the Sustainable Herbs Program, which is a program of the American Botanical Council and it's and an anthropologist and writer, and I live in Vermont. Nice. I had a, a luxury of meeting you when uh, in-person events were happening still at yeah. uh, Biofac in Germany. It was a great experience to talk to you in person and uh, find out more about what you guys were doing with the Sustainable Earth Program, or we're going to be doing, I guess, at that point, right, with the Sustainable Earth Program. Um, how do you view sustainability of cultivated herbs? Like, how do you view that versus something like that's wildcrafted? I don't know if I see it as wildcrafted versus cultivated. It's more how is sourcing any botanical contributing to the health of the ecosystem and the health of the communities that are involved either growing or harvesting. So then the question is, is the plant being, if it's a wild, you know, then there become different questions that you ask depending on which line you go, whether it's wild harvested, then there's questions about over harvesting and the you know resource management plans and things like that and if you're cultivating then it's questions about the health of the soil and the inputs that are used and the impact of those inputs in the water quality and air quality and worker health and things like that you know one of the things that you know that you just mentioned is the sustainability and management resource management plan for wild harvested materials you know for cultivated materials, do you think there's that same necessity to go through that? Or because it's cultivated, we really need to look at more of the inputs and soil health and things that you were mentioning as well? Or how does that sustainability of the actual herbs itself, um, if we were looking at that in, a, in isolation, is that a factor um, at all with cultivated herbs? Or because it's cultivated, we really need to focus on the other uh, elements involved. So do you mean like the long-term availability of the plant? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, in the, all the current information about soil health and how we have right in that 2014 report that everybody quotes, there's 60 years of topsoil left. And so maybe it's not the long-term sustainability of the particular plant, but of the ecosystem that produces that, that makes it possible to grow those plants, right? I mean, to me, it seems like all of that is threatened now with pressures on biodiversity, soil health, and climate, climate crisis. So they're not, and, and that's what, um, you know, in the introduction, when you talked about my book and the complexity, it's so complex because it's all connected. And it's really hard to tease apart and tell that in a clear way that's not just overwhelming of sort of how to begin. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I was talking to a buddy of mine and was that, you know, we, we may have to start shifting how we measure and look at, you know, yield and and efficiencies 
and we might have to start thinking about how to be more looking at what's your actual carbon footprint per you know kilo or per whatever measurement you know measurement you're looking at of of ingredient or final product per bottle versus efficiency as you know maximizing you know economic value just because you know are we measuring the right thing right it's like efficiency is you'd be efficient you know harvesting something by ripping it out of the ground and that's horrible for the ecosystem and sustainability and whatnot but it's takes the least amount of labor and costs the, the, the least amount but in reality the overall impact is horrible well, and if you're a worker, then you might make the most money, right? If you're a wild harvesting, the more you can harvest from one area, the more money you're likely to make in the sustainable herbs program. So we try and have conversations with different stakeholders. And that's one thing, not so much the wild crafters, because it's hard to speak directly, but producer groups who purchase from them say that when they feel like they're not getting a good wage or a fair enough wage, they're going to overharvest because that's a way of balancing the balance sheet, I guess. But I'd like also what you said about it seems like we're at this moment where it's a lot of reframing how we think about what we see as what we're measuring. Um, what strikes me often at the trade shows I've been at, I've attended, there are con there's conversations on sustainability and those are here. And then there's conversations about growth. And the conversations about growth are about financial growth. And there is not the related conversation about growth of what, at what cost, paid for by whom. And, and I feel like those are the conversations in the sustainability rooms, right? It's like, what are the impacts? How do we address those impacts? And the more, they're hard conversations to have, right? But the more those can be in the same rooms, I feel like what you were saying, that conversation about changing what's being measured is defined as efficiency. There's more creative potential for seeing those definitions i definitely think so i think you know one of our future guests on the show will be um either uh, anastasia or briny from fairwild and uh we'll talk more about the fairwild standard and how that applies to you know wildcrafting and how to have more equity in the system but back to uh the you know cultivation side of things what are some key areas you think of that impacts the sustainability impacts growth cultivation and harvesting of herbs um as far as cultivator herbs go and like for example soil health like you know farming practices what are sort of some of the key areas that you see that we've got to start working on more diligently so I mean, i'm not an expert in regenerative farming or farming practices at all what, what we're trying to do is bring in experts and so right now we're working on uh like a eight to ten minute video that is going to be really looking at what are specific farming practices that have different names you know um permaculture regenerative farming analog forestry syntropic forestry it, but basically it's about caring for the soil and it begins with design and balancing agroforestry with cultivated plot plants um you know things that everybody's talking about composting not leaving topsoil exposed things like till no-till you know i think it depends on how the tilling is done and that's different in different ecosystems we were just in costa rica filming in quite steep mountains just to the west of san jose this group that's growing turmeric and, and the farm manager was saying he's balancing the impact on the workers, physical, like how hard the work is 
with no-till. And so they have a, a machine that doesn't till super deeply. It tills some so that it's not as, so that the workers will keep doing the work. So, you know, so that's something. Um, I think the another really interesting part of, we were visiting these different farms in Costa Rica, <coughs> is the real attention to combining crops to that that are actively building the soil as you're harvesting something that's growing side by side. And I really look forward to the videos that we can create because the people we spoke with are much more articulate and knowledgeable about it than I can be. But what I appreciated was the way they saw the health of this particular plant, Tulsi or whatever they're growing, with biodiversity. You know, they have the big they're holding the big picture and the small picture. It's producing something for a market and getting, you know, a, a good value for that product so that they can stay in business. But it's doing that in a way that's caring for the whole ecosystem. I, I think, you know, as you said, the since we do spend a lot of time at the farm level, I think one of the things that people you know, people talk about crop rotations and not monocropping. That is, which is really important. But I think people often overlook the the importance of also the ability to use what I call um, the mixture of hybrid planting, meaning you know, have some turmeric, have something else there, or have golden seal made with ginseng, so that you know you can use the plant's natural resistance or in resistance to something to sort of help combat the other plants need for something. So I think like, you know, finding the right mix of things to grow together, how to rotate so that one crop will replenish the soil when the other crops takes that away. So it's, it's very important to know what you're growing, where you're growing it and, and how that works. And that's well beyond, you know, um, at least mine expertise, right? <laughs> I understand like at a very conceptual level, but I think that's what makes this so hard is that there's no easy or simple answer. Like some areas may require a lot of tilling and some areas you don't want any tilling um, and vice versa. And there's no one size fit all solution in this, in this conversation. Well, and I think that's why, so I started this project kind of inspired to follow herbs through the supply chain and tell the stories of the people and places behind the finished product. And that's kind of what my book is about, is telling that journey. But I did it because I was in seeing the food movement where there was so much energy and attention to where food comes from and how it's processed. I didn't see that same conversation in the herb industry as I knew it. And so I came in with a lot of naive ideas and judgments about how to do it the right way, right? And I realized it's much, much more complicated in part because there's so many different plants with different requirements, just what you're saying. So it's not like talking about coffee or cacao. It's You need to understand particular ecosystems or what you've talked about at New Herbs, you know, the territory where it's grown and how that's different than in another territory and how that impacts the quality both in measurable and probably immeasurable ways so it's quite similar to wild harvesting right some plants you can come you know what harvest large quantities of and if it's a root then it's a totally different set of challenges i think so and you know i think our our version of geo-authentic crops is or didal yatai is the same idea as towar for wine for the wine drinkers out there. And, you know, what's going to be really interesting is to me, I'm really keeping an eye on this, is that 
as global warming happens, whether um, you believe it or not, these global weather changes uh, happen, you know, will the territories or areas that were traditionally the best for a certain herb or crop, will they remain that way? And how does that change traditional use and other things? And, you know, the impact of it, because as we move from, you know, 1500 feet elevation to 2000 feet elevation for a crop, that's going to change the chemistry of the crop as well. Or if you go from a move it from somewhere that was cold and now it's warm, that's going to change as well. And I don't know, you know, how much that change is going to be. I'm really keeping my eye on that. What do you feel is missing from the consumer conversation on health and wellness that brands, practitioners, or manufacturers need to address as far as sustainability goes? When I saw, I mean, to me, I think it's our responsibility. Like, what is the consumer's responsibility? There's a way that the conversation is very much focused on, and it's the definition of consumer, right? It's consumer. It's not a partnership. It's a company is convincing me to buy the ingredient so that the company stays in business. Essentially, right? That's uh, you know you have bigger goals and all that, but that's essentially like if, if people don't buy the product, then the company goes out of business. And I feel like companies. Well, I started the Sustainable Herbs Program first, really consumer oriented, mm-hmm. to building on my naivete. You know, I realized when I would go visit producer groups and the Fair Wild certified groups in Hungary and Poland that I was first able to visit. And I was like, I don't know, how do I tell if this is a good practice or a bad practice? It was really hard. And so I would ask Joseph Brinkman, who's been an advisor of this project all along from traditional medicinals. And he often would say, it depends, you know, because <laughs> it's really, com- or I would ask him a simple question in an email and, he, you know, I'd get a long paragraph with the complexity of it. And so I created this program to educate consumers so we can ask better questions of companies to understand the challenges that you all face in trying to meet our expectations. So it's not just, oh, this product isn't perfectly regeneratively grown, then I'm gonna go to this other company. It's not that you're doing it better or worse, it's that it's a really hard thing to do. But that requires us understanding that for me, us as a consumer. And then though how companies tend to treat consumers is it's just our product so great, it's this marketing language. And uh, in my vision, it's that there's a possibility for companies to really invite consumers in and let them see the challenges and become more of a partner. Like you at New Herbs, you're trying to care for wild plants. You're trying to care for the people who grow the plants, but it's hard. And and if you're allocating resources, you either do it to sell your products or to invest in the communities where you source. And if consumers sort of see that they're by buying your products they're helping you do your mission right that, that they're taking some responsibility for that not just buying the product and if you don't do it well enough jumping ship and going to someone else but that requires companies trusting to share a little bit more and consumers pausing a bit and not being so judgmental right and quick yeah i don't know if i'm being clear but no i think you're it's very clear i think you know what you're talking about is like a partnership and between the consumer and the company and how do we make the partnership in a way that is allows us to you know have a conversation and dialogue about it because there's no such thing as a hundred percent with sustainability there's always more you can do and there's always something you can do better and there's always something that you didn't do as well as you thought you could and i think that's excellent Absolutely correct. And I think one of the things that's really interesting with sustainability is, you know, how do we sort of 
bring the customer along the journey in a way that they're invested, that they're willing to pay and support, you know, these fair labor practice, fair sustainable labor practices and growing practices. So I think that's the hard part, right? How do we get that conversation in a way that is productive, that doesn't result in a lot of, you know, you should have done this better or that better, or, you know, we did it great, but you just thought we, you know, you don't know anything, right? Kind of thing. It's like, we don't want to get in that kind of conversation. I think it's like, how do we all continue our process to, to make it the best possible and continue improvement along the way? Yeah, and it's challenging, you know, look at the things about fair trade and, you know, we buy fair trade and think, oh, it's having this X impact. And then when it's revealed, oh, in fact, they only make this much money, you know, and all the kind of tell all stories. And then people say, oh, fair trade's no good. And what it really is, is these are trying steps and tools to try and address these huge challenges about poverty and climate change and biodiversity loss that no certification is going to address on its own, you know? Yeah. And I think you're absolutely correct that, you know, what certification does is it sets the table, right? And that's sort of the, you know, the starting point. And then how, where do you go from there, that starting point to become better and better at what you do and more, you know, how does your system become more equitable and how do you select better growing practices and all these things. So I think, you know, the, 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 the lesson I'm taking away from today is that we, is continual, the, this is a journey and that will require continual work and inputs <laughs> as we go along the path, right? It's a never, it's not like we'll get there tomorrow or ever get there, right? It's just a journey that we'll, we have to keep improving and doing better at. I got one question I have, one issue I think a lot about that companies, it would be great to see companies talk about with consumers is price, you know, because there, there is this idea, I don't know if it's still, but I came to herbal medicine because it was, the idea is it's cheaper, it's more natural, but in fact, it, it's not always cheaper and it can be quite expensive to take the quantity of a product that you need to have the kind of impacts. So that's one thing, the price of a product and then where the money is distributed along the value chain, right? Often people who are doing the work at the source make the least amount. And, you know, I understand there are costs involved and value added and all of that, but it would be, I don't know how to make it. I mean, this is what we're trying to do at Sustainable Herbs Program, be create spaces where some of these harder conversations can be had about where the money's going and the choices that are being made about, you know, like trade shows cost quite a bit of money. And that's a reason for that investment. But that money is taken from another part of the chain and the circle. And so I would love to hear those kind of conversations about. Yeah, yeah I think those are important conversations to have, right? It's like, you know, can we ever get to the point where there's the Everlane of um, you know, herbs where we can sort of share the pricing dynamics, who gets what and whatnot. <clears throat> but I think the sheer amount of inputs just makes it a lot harder conversation. You can approximate, but to get to a very detailed number, it becomes hard because you have to remember not everyone works from origin. And, you know, it's easy to work from origin with something like coffee. I shouldn't say easy, easier where it's a huge crop, but it's a lot harder when it's, you know, you're talking about a thousand kilos across, you know, hundreds of hectares of wild-crafted, um, you know, it, it just becomes a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
but I would love to have more of these conversations in the future with you and uh, definitely looking forward to following what you're doing at the Sustainable Earth Project and uh, let's keep in touch Anne and it's really, it was a great pleasure to speak with you and thank you for the time. Great, thanks so much. It's been great to speak with you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the business of herbs and botanicals, visit newherbs.com. To keep listening to great episodes, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, or Spotify, and make sure to give us a rating too.